And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Have you ever heard of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? Listen to the personal and physical preparation needed by each guard assigned to protect this tomb. Discipline. Also, catch the biblical application of what is required of us as believers aspiring to this level of discipline. Pastor Robert Elliott concludes, Treasure Hunt. Guards at the tomb of the unknown soldier have good discipline. The tomb has been guarded 24 hours straight, 365 days of the year since 1937. Unknowns have been guarded continuously, seven days a week, 24 hours a day since that time. Inclement weather, terrorist attacks, etc. do not cause the watch to cease. A guard takes, on average, six hours to prepare his uniform for each day of service. Heavy wool, regardless of the time of the year. In addition to preparing the uniform, guards also conduct physical training. Tomb guard training participates in various field exercises. The guards cut their own hair before each day of work. Tomb guards are required to memorize 16 pages of information about Arlington National Cemetery and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. They are required to memorize the locations of nearly 300 graves and who is buried in each one. Verse 5, for even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline. But there's more. We are also to strive for greater stability in our faith in Christ. Verse 5, for even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. I think that we are privileged as a generation to have um, seen the fruit in the ministry of Dr. Billy Graham over these many years. And um, surely the Billy Graham Association has been a model, an exemplary model of integrity and of stability in their love for Jesus Christ and their proclamation of the gospel and their standards of lifestyle. And it didn't happen accidentally, not at all. Back in 1948, in Modesto, California, Dr. Graham and Beverly Shea and Grady Wilson and Cliff Barrows met together there in Modesto, California in 1948, and they formed together four promises that they were going to make to God and to each other. They called it the Modesto Manifesto. Four promises that Dr. Graham and his three associates made before God and to each other. Listen, number one, concerning money. Not to emphasize the offering. Always have the local campaign committees oversee the offerings and the disbursements of the funds and that each of them would take straight salaries. Promise two had to do with immorality. Continually pray for each other for God to guard their purity. 
never to be alone with a woman other than their wives, and always to get their hotel rooms as close together as possible. Promise three, to do with exaggeration. The men promised not to inflate attendance or salvation decision numbers, and that any numbers that were generated would be generated by the local police and fire departments or arena managers, but that the association itself would not generate any numbers of who was there. Number four had to do with criticism. The men promised God and each other not to criticize local pastors and local churches where they were ministering. They promised never to criticize pastors who openly criticized them. Stability. Each of the four men have been stable to God in their faith in Christ, and their stability has blessed the globe with an authentic, real, genuine gospel lived out and proclaimed by pure, careful, stable vessels. And so all of these things that would ward off distraction to the treasure of Jesus Christ, these things to do with good discipline and and, and stability in our faith in Jesus Christ, are decisions that we need to make. So what decision might I encourage you to make? Well, I'd encourage you to make when it comes to uh, good discipline. What about tomorrow morning? If you're not having a time in God's Word each day, what about tomorrow morning? Set the alarm one half earlier than you would and spend a half an hour in the Word of God and create a new habit starting tomorrow. One half hour earlier than you normally rise. Pastor, I rise at 4 o'clock to go to my job. I know. It's a challenge. What about good stability? What about good stability? What could we do to promote good stability in our faith in Christ? Well, I think one of the best things we can do is to ask a person of the church who is of your same gender if you could be an accountability partner with them or they would be with you, where you would just meet once a week and talk about life at a real level and that you would pray for each other, you would share with each other maybe areas you want to be held accountable for, whether it's to do with uh, lack of discipline or um, a, a personal besetting sin that you could trust to that accountability partner to hold in confidence, but to pray for you and to check on, in on you regarding that. That would be a great thing to build st- uh, stability in your faith in Christ. In closing... We've called this message Treasure Hunt because the Lord Jesus is the supreme treasure and sometimes he's hidden to the lost world by spiritual uh, satanic blinding and to the church in some quarters by our uh, distractions. Um, This is what a Chinese believer told an American believer. You Americans have Jesus and everything else. We Chinese have Jesus and nothing else. You Americans never know how precious Jesus is. This is called treasure trove. They'd been looking for it for years. So had their friends and acquaintances. It had assumed, in some cases, surreal qualities. But those who researched the facts had an accurate idea of what it was. 
Few people knew that it was staring them in the face all their lives. It, in this instance, was the Messiah. Amazingly, a man lately come of age who they'd known about for over 20 years, a son of dubious origin but known as the son of the carpenter Joseph over in Nazareth, in the hill country in the northern frontier. A respected mentor pointed them to the treasure. They made a tentative inquiry and were graciously welcomed with the words, Come and see. So they went and saw, and the identity of the treasure was confirmed. This happened to more than one hunter, and in each instance the finder breathlessly announced, We have found it. The news spread, and soon the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of God began to enrich those who themselves sought out the treasure. But the pearls and diamonds weren't distributed at random. The self-centered and willfully filthy, also known as the swine and the vipers and the experts, couldn't seem to find any treasure at all. Riches, however, were abundantly lavished on the babes and the simple. Yet the bounty for the hunters came at great cost to the giver. To distribute the wealth, he, out of necessity, had to become poor. Praise God for his treasure. Bow in worship before him, who is no longer poor. Realize the poverty of men who imagine themselves wealthy and wise. Realize that treasures have been left for all who will seek them as if they were gold. And now, today's personal God story. We are going to revisit uh, Chinese national brother Stephen's God story. This is part two. I know that you'll enjoy it. Well, I am really happy this morning to have uh, my friend Stephen in the radio studio. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm good. I'm good. Very good. Thank you. Excellent. And uh, what kind of places did you look for answers? Most of the time I spent in China, but uh, I studied one year in Canada. Mm-hmm. Just that uh, the uh, the study, lo- the workload is too overwhelming that uh, I didn't get a real chance to reach out to the outside, I mean, to the religious area. Yes. Yeah, but uh, I've been thinking about resorting to religion. Yes. Yeah, trying to find find answers. And uh, I thought to myself, if I could uh, find answers in any religion, I would become a believer of that religion. So you were you were pretty desperate. Yeah. For meaning in life yeah. and for happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, in your particular part of China, uh, was it atheistic or was it worship of ancestors or what was that? Atheistic. Atheistic. Yeah. So the claim there is no God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's take the story to the point um, when, when God brought you to the Bahamas okay. to work at Bahamar, in the human relations department as a translator. You met someone that God put in your path there, and I'd like you to tell our listeners something about that. 
Okay, back when I was working at Bahama, I actually worked with some Americans. Um, one day I saw an American、um, listening to online sermons and、mm. reading Bibles,、mm. but、uh, I had no idea he was a Christian, or I had no idea what I was about to get into. Right. Yeah. So I、uh, just. But I thought to myself, that's the reason I came down here. I came out of China. So why was what's the harm just to ask him about that? So what did you do? You you walked up to him one day, and what did you say? Yeah, I、uh, I said to him, what what are you doing?、Uh, I want to know something about religion. Can you introduce me? And、uh, then he,、uh, you know, we we just got to talking. And、uh, yeah, one thing led to another. I got baptized. So, oh wow! So let's let's、uh, look at the space between asking him what he was doing and getting baptized. Okay. So he told you about Christ. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He、uh, he was listening to John Piper actually. Okay. And、uh, we talked about the meaning of life. Yes. And actually, he had some. Dark time of his own too. Yes. Yeah, and、uh, he he told me that it was Christ who saved him from all his former sins. Yes. And、uh, gave him a new life. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so let me just interject that. Um, if there are listeners this morning listening to us talk、okay. that are in dark times, Jesus is their answer too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. So,、um, as your friend at the worksite told you the meaning of life and told you about Christ, I imagine he talked about acknowledging personal sin as well.、Mm-hmm. And so, did you feel? That you could easily see that you were a sinner, or was that something you had a difficulty believing?、Uh, at first, to be honest, I didn't fully believe because I am a good guy. <laughs> I don't do drugs, uh, and uh, growing up in a、uh, Eastern society, yes,、uh, teachers do not. Last after women, right? Yeah, and some social values just overlap with the doctrines of the Bible.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the things that American used to commit, I didn't really do that. So I thought to myself, why would I believe that? Because I really don't think that way. As Stephen was sharing more of his God story, it, it、uh, reminded me of John chapter three,、uh, where Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus by night, inquiring about very important things. John three one. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And now, help for the hurting with the director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Good morning, congregation. Well, this morning, Kim and I would like to share with you how the Christian Counseling Center blessed us so very much as we prepared for our marriage together. You see, within days of meeting Kim, I knew that she was the one I wanted to marry. She was perfect in every way. <laughs> My challenge over the next year was to find out if Kim was the one God wanted me to marry and to see if she wanted to marry me too. <laughs> I spent time with her. I prayed with her. I got to know her. We became friends. I met her family. I sought godly counsel from others. And of course, I brought her flowers. <laughs> Plenty of flowers. <laughs> Eventually, Kim also believed that we were perfect for each other, and by the time, by that time, we both believed it was God's will for us to be married, so we got engaged. This was an appropriate time for us to seek wise and godly counsel together. I knew that investing in premarital counseling now would pay off in our marriage later. I had also sat through several services here at Calvary Bible, like we're doing today, uh, over the past four years in which the Christian Counseling Center was highlighted. I had heard personal testimonies of how counselors, counselors had helped numerous individuals over the years through many difficult situations, including loss of loved ones, marital difficulties, personal trials and struggles, and in many other areas. But at the time, I never really thought that I would be able to be personally ministered to by the Christian Counseling Center. Then it came to me. We have such a great resource right here in our own side yard, I should say. I knew that the Christian Counseling Center was exactly where we should go for that wise and godly counsel we needed. So we called for our first appointment. Shortly thereafter, Kim and I were greeted by Pastor and Mrs. Arnett, and we sat and shared our desires with them and it was very evident that they were amply capable of discerning, dissecting, and delicately directing our ambitions. In the next session, the fun began. Although Mrs. Arnett was not able to join us, Pastor Arnett's humble, sensitive, and godly spirit was a blessing to us during the weekly sessions over the next three months. We began with a test, or rather, an inventory or an evaluation of ourselves, our habits, our thoughts and desires. This evaluation was thorough and it covered every imaginable topic related to a God-centered marriage. Kim and I individually sat down and completed this inventory and it was sent away to be scored. A, a few weeks later, the results were in. Had we passed the test? <laughs> were we right for each other? Well, the evaluation wasn't exactly 
quite designed to answer that specific question, but it was designed to identify the areas where we agreed with each other in life issues, <clears throat> in spiritual issues, marriage issues, and also it was designed to identify the areas where we might think differently and need to resolve our differences. The results of the evaluation were the basis of the weekly counseling sessions thereafter. The first thing it revealed to me that much to my dismay, Kim is only almost perfect. <laughs> much to my surprise, I was nowhere near as perfect. <laughs> there are many differences we had to overcome if this union of bliss was to be successful. Among the obvious differences were, I was tall, she was short. <laughs> I was a man, she was a woman. I was young, she was old. <laughs> and I was witty and she was pretty. Or she is pretty, huh? Uh, seemed like the only thing that we had in common was that we had the same father. Can't you see the family resemblance? <laughs> well, both of us being children of God is the basis of our relationship and the basis of the Christian Counseling Center's counsel. And as I might take a little side out from my written testimony, uh, the, uh, for you students, it, it, the Christ needs to be the basis of all our relationships. And for Christ to be the basis of our relationships, he must be the basis of our life. So I just challenge you, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you would consider that today. It's made all the difference in my life and in Kim's life. But the best thing about the counsel we received was that it was an objective look at the issues that are integral to a God-centered marriage. Our marriage relationship was categorized by this inventory we took. It was categorized as a traditional, a mixture of a traditional and a harmonious marriage. Each session was devoted to the individual topics from the evaluation, such as our individual roles and positions in marriage, our spiritual beliefs and our backgrounds, our family background, our future family expectations, our personality types, our cultural backgrounds, and every woman's favorite topic, finances. But not to be outdone by every man's favorite topic. I'll leave that to your imagination. <laughs> the inventory we had completed highlighted the areas where our opinions were and our ideas were different, and our ideas were and beliefs were the similar. We spent more time on the areas where our expectations were different than those areas where we agreed upon each other. During one of the sessions, I remember, we were talking about family with Pastor Arnett. Both our individual family backgrounds and our upbringings and our future plans for our family and our marriage. Well, Pastor Arnett asked Kim, how many children would she like to have? Kim quick, quickly answered, nine. <laughs> After getting up off the floor, I reminded her that we had this discussion previously and nine was not a part of our discussion. Well, come to find out that Kim thought he was asking how many children were in her family. What a relief. Well, I had always believed, and it was re-emphasized again and again throughout the session, that clear communication is essential for a good marriage. That point was again re-emphasized during that particular exchange. In conclusion, we received the counseling we received from Pastor Arnett at the Christian Counseling Center was a wonderful enrichment to both Kim and I. The time we spent in counseling sessions together has proven to be a blessing 
in, in our now almost seven-month marriage, <laughs> it is our prayer that with our love for God and our love for each other, along with a resolve to follow the principles that we've learned through the Christian Counseling Center right here at Calvary Bible Church, that we'll both grow old together. And now, the Bible's answers to your questions. The question is referring to Matthew 12, verse 40, which says, Christ will be buried three days and nights, end of quote. Here's the question. Friday evening, Matthew 27, verse 57, to very early Sunday morning, according to Luke 24, verse 1, is considerably less than three days. Also, it says three days and three nights, which seems to exclude counting any part of one day as the equivalent to a full day and night. So that's the question. The answer, Matthew 12, 40's three days and three nights does not necessarily require a literal 72-hour period because consistently Jews reckoned a part of a day to be as a whole day. This was so in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and in the Jewish rabbinical writings as well. Dr. John MacArthur writes this footnote in his Helpful Study Bible for Matthew 12, verse 40, quote, uh, quoted from Jonah 1.17, this sort of expression was a common way of underscoring the prophetic significance of a period of time. An expression like 40 days and 40 nights may in some cases simply refer to a period of time longer than a month. Three days and three nights was an emphatic way of saying three days and by Jewish reckoning, this would be an apt way of expressing a period of time that includes parts of three days. Thus, if Christ was crucified on a Friday and his resurrection occurred on the first day of the week, Sunday, by Hebrew reckoning, this would qualify as three days and three nights. All sorts of elaborate schemes have been devised to suggest that Christ might have died on Wednesday or Thursday just to accommodate the extreme literal meaning of these words, but the original meaning would not have to require that sort of wooden interpretation. End of Dr. MacArthur's quote and end of my answer. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.